21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. What have you observed as the crypto industry has flourished over time? And where do you see it headed in the future? Absolutely. Well, the first time I became aware of the crypto industry was Bitcoin way back in late 2010, early 2011. Um, at the time, I didn't quite understand the implications of what it meant to have a decentralized ledger. It wasn't until five years later or so, um, you know, 2016, that um, it, it piqued my interest again. And I started looking into what smart contracts were. And that's when everything kind of clicked for me. I've seen, so I've seen the, I've seen the entire industry grow from humble beginnings all the way to where it is now. Um, I've been very involved in the industry, um, as an investor for the last five, six years, um, and involved working in the industry now for a couple of years. Um, so I've really seen the transition and, and all of the, the roller coaster ups and downs that the industry has had so far. Um, I see a very bright future for it. I see um, absolutely a future where we have uh, this decentralized ledger technology everywhere. It's commonplace in society. Um, so, you know, I, I believe that the technology, because it already exists, because it's already out there, there's no going back. Um, this is the, going to be the new norm going forward. Now, it's going to take some time for adoption to really catch hold with the general population. But we're already starting to hear reports about major financial institutions, MasterCard, Citibank. They're going to be doing some pilots with some digital dollars, some central bank digital currencies um, very soon. And, and, you know, word is that the Federal Reserve for the United States is going to also be doing a pilot this year, um, sometime between now and, and uh, you know, the beginning of 2023. So um, I see a very bright future for it. You know, whether people agree or disagree with the technology and how it can be used and implemented um, is a moot point, in my opinion, because uh, it, it is an inevitability at this stage. Can you please explain in more detail how the decentralized technology will be used and implemented and what actually does it mean for for us? Sure. So you can look at the current infrastructure of how things are conducted um, in Web2 as centralized. So we have centralized banks, we have centralized uh, data storage centers. So we have server centers all over the world where people's data is stored by private institutions, private companies. We're moving away from that. We're moving away from expensive, um, you know, expensive data centers and centralized hoarding of information, um, especially personal information. So what this will enable is an entire an entirely new set of business models will emerge because 
there no longer needs to be a intermediary and uh, no third party middleman that is providing trust. We have now created this trustless, permissionless environment where the individual really is their own bank. You are in control of your own finances and you are in control of your own data. And I think that that is a key thing that a lot of people will come to understand as Web3 starts to take hold in the general population. Uh, right now, data, big data, is a trillion dollar industry. And not a single person gets a dime of that money. So if if you're selling my information as a private company to advertisers, why am I not receiving a percentage of those profits, right? Like I should be getting paid for for my data the same way I should be getting paid for my time for watching a particular ad. Um, all of these things are going to be monetized in the future for the individual. So you're looking at a future where my, my time is rewarded my investment is rewarded with with me interacting in your ecosystem, um, and so you know we've gone from from pay to play to play for free to play to earn, or rather time to earn. Right. So there will be again all new business models that are generated um, because this infrastructure now exists. And again, it's going to take some time, but I honestly believe that the onboarding of citizens by the governments um, with the introduction of central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. So taking a US dollar, taking a euro, converting it to a digital token. Um, when we have the mass onboarding of people, uh, you know, switching over from cur current fiat currency to this new digital tokenized currency, that will be when the transition really happens in earnest and it'll be a sight to behold. And how would entrepreneurs be affected by this? Um, I think very, very positive. I don't think it's going to be negative at all. I think it empowers people to um, really control the revenue stream for whatever business or idea that they're trying to promote. Um, it really, it really unlocks uh, a lot of potential for an individual to be able to monetize not only themselves, but their ideas. What do you mean when you speak of controlling the revenue stream? Well, right now, you're if you want to, um, you know, deal with the general public, you're you're going. You have you have a bank, you have uh, lenders, you have marketers. There's a lot of this stuff that you'll be able to do on your own moving forward. Um, you won't have those third party middlemen skimming off the top and you'll really be in control of how you structure your business and how you structure your business model. And what do you think is the key advantage of using Rubik over other cross-chain solutions? Well, the key advantage of using Rubik over other cross-chain solutions is that Rubik has removed itself one step further from everyone else on the market. What we're doing is we're aggregating all of the different decentralized exchanges across uh, dozens of blockchains and all of the different bridge systems between those blockchains. Now, if you go with any other solution, you're stopping short of realizing the maximum potential of decentralized finance. What Rubik is doing is it's housing everything under one roof. We're even aggregating other aggregators. So what Rubik is doing is, is trying to house all of it into one protocol that can then be integrated into different applications to enable 
users within those applications to utilize cryptocurrency regardless of where it's located. So if I'm using a particular application that's built on the Polygon network, but I have tokens on the Avalanche network, I should be able to use those tokens effortlessly within that application. And that is what Rubik is going to provide to different businesses out there is this ability to be able to utilize your crypto easily. The same way you can utilize, you know, um, the value of, of fiat currency from a linked uh, checking account um, or a debit card or a credit card. We want it to be as simple as utilizing those payment methods, but utilizing crypto. Well, the difference between um, Web 2 and Web 3, again, is a centralization, right, of, of, of data. Um, moving away from server centers, right, like the Amazon cloud service, um, we're, we're putting that information now on the blockchain itself. Um, and individuals will be able to control that information. So as we move from Web 2 centralized to Web 3 decentralized, it's going to enable people to, again, control their finances and control their data. Now, what this means for businesses and what this means for the general public is the applications you're currently utilizing on your phone that data is stored in, again, those data centers. Uh, in the future, it will be stored on the network itself. So everyone will be participating in this, um, essentially this, this large mesh network where we're able to access that data. So when it comes to, when it comes to what is Web3 going to do for the average person, um, you're going to be rewarded for your participation in this environment, right? So, um, I guess the, 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 the biggest takeaway is most people shouldn't realize they've even transitioned into a web three environment, aside from the fact that they're now using cryptocurrency tokens as, um, you know, a form of value. So user interfaces, the user experience shouldn't change that much for the average person. Um, you should still be able to use applications on your phone the same way you do now. It's just the backend environment and how everything is structured is now different. There's not um, a, the potential for a hack of a data center where it's a breach of customer information, where phone numbers and home addresses and email addresses are all leaked. That won't be able to happen in a, in a secure blockchain environment, a Web3 environment. What are the main goals of the marketing department at Rubik? Obviously exposure. Um, I think um, it's, it's shifted a little bit in terms of our focus. Um, we originally were trying to market uh, business to customer, um, but quickly realized that we are going up against uh, very large marketing budgets from a lot of different businesses. And there is a, um, a cacophony of 
people trying to grab everyone's attention in this industry, it makes it very hard. It's a, it's a different challenge in the crypto industry versus traditional digital marketing campaign. You're dealing with, with much more savvy people who kind of ignore all of the clutter and they're hyper-focused on what it is that they're looking for. Um, it, it's not marketing to the general public. So it, it is very, very different. We identified the business to customer approach as something that was not going to be tenable for us from a financial perspective. We don't have millions of dollars to throw it at Super Bowl ads like Coinbase and others to try and, and get the general public on board. So we figured out that it would be best um, for, for our business to work on business to business marketing and try to attract businesses to our software development kit so that they can integrate that into their application and then their users become our users. So as opposed to trying to go directly to the customer, we are now trying to go to the businesses and then pull all of their users into the fold of our ecosystem. What are some of the most successful campaigns, marketing campaigns that Rubik uh, has undertaken? Well, we've had a number of um, high-profile digital banner campaigns across, uh, you know, very popular crypto websites that that served us well. Um, it brought people directly to uh, our exchange, and and people were able to use our platform. Um, but we've had great success as well with our social media campaigns. So um, by generating NFTs for involvement and people participating in, in podcasts that we do and also trading on our platform, they've been able to earn these NFTs and that helps spread um, word of mouth from, from person to person within the industry. Um, th those have been very successful campaigns for us as well. Um, but again, we've, we're taking a different approach. We're not focused uh, primarily on uh, business to customer, it's more business to business. Um, and in that regard, we've actually had uh, a lot of success, um, you know, in the Telegram channels because that's where a lot of it happens. A lot of a lot of business to business discussions in the crypto industry happen on the Telegram app. So um, we've done a lot of that as well to try and you know generate interest in our project, and it's been working well. What methods does Rubik employ to craft and execute its marketing strategy? Well, we have uh, team meetings uh, weekly to discuss all of the ongoing marketing efforts um, as well as business development efforts. And we are constantly assessing what is working and what is not working um, to come up with new strategies. Um, and, you know, we execute those on a, on a weekly and monthly basis. Um, we keep detailed analytics of all of our marketing campaigns, um, how much interest has been generated, um, you know, not just in terms of platform usage, but mentions across different social media platforms as well. Um, so all of those metrics are taken into account when we're assessing our different marketing efforts um, and we're constantly refining them as time goes on.
Rubik in five years, uh, hopefully, is a baseline protocol for Web3. So, um, natively built into applications um, across the entire industry so that people are utilizing Rubik without even realizing they're utilizing Rubik. That is, that is the goal five years from now. Um, and if we're able to do that, I think uh, it's going to be uh, very beneficial for the industry for, for, for growth and adoption and scalability. Again, making it easy for people to use this stuff. They don't need to know how it works um, and they shouldn't be exposed to the complexity of it. It should just function. It should, should work. Um, and that's the way Web2 operates right now. The average person has no idea how the internet works. They have no idea how packets are sent uh, of data between you know, their, their mobile phone or their computer in a server center. Um, they just need to know how to operate the user interface. And so we're, we're hoping that by building this baseline protocol and doing all of this um, complex uh, function behind the scenes, we're able to wrap it in a, a you know a nice user interface for people to be able to interact with, and again use it as as easy as they can applications today. If you'd like to learn more about Rubik, you can check us out at rubik.exchange. You can go check us out over on Twitter as well for all of our most recent updates. That's at CryptoRubik. And you can also check out our Telegram channel as well, at CryptoRubik underscore chat. That is uh, the best way to keep up to date with everything going on over at Rubik. Of course, the platform itself is app.rubik.exchange. And we hope to see you around. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.